Welcome to the New Hope 365 podcast. Beginning September 13th, we will once again be offering in-person gatherings as well as online services. We will have an in-person service at 9 a.m. that will be streamed live. We will also offer a family service at 10.30 a.m. You can find all the information and details about each service by visiting our website, newhope365.church. And now, here is today's message. I love what we just saying um, how we need Jesus, and I hope that worship moment uh, really impacted you today it, as it did me. You know, he is our, he's our defense, he's our righteousness, and, and as I was um, contemplating that song, the fact that we need Jesus as our defense, we need our Heavenly Father as our defense, is a great lead-in today to what I'm talking about in this battle, this reality series, the battle between good and evil. It's something that's going on uh, around our culture. You see it day in and day out. In fact, some of you may be unbelievably frustrated and uh, sick of what you're reading in the news and what you're seeing in the political realms and what you're seeing with rioting and racism and, and what you're seeing with, with uh, all kinds of um, storms and, and, and stuff that's taking place. We know this that it's not too long and Jesus will be coming back. And I hope that you're excited about that. I hope that you um, will be praying and saying, God, you know, come quickly. And, and I hope that we as a church will never forget the reason God has placed us on the face of the earth until we meet Jesus, that we are to be salt, we are to be light. And, and so today we continue on and we wrestle with this reality of the battle between good and evil. I want to encourage you to just go back and you can tune in uh, to prior messages and watch and kind of get caught up to what I've been talking about last week. I dealt with the topic of identity. Uh, I think a lot of you could relate to that and how we often miss our identity and, and that our identity is in Christ Jesus. And I hope that you uh, will take that message that I spoke last week to heart. Today, I'm dealing with the topic of inner vows, the battle of inner vows. And it's probably something that you don't think very much of because it's not preached about very much. So turn, turn your thinker on and let's engage this today. Here's, here's an understanding of inner vows from my personal life. So I, I don't remember, as I was thinking about this illustration, I don't remember when it was. It was probably I was in third or fourth grade in that ballpark and I was giving a speech in my school we were a, uh, a Christian school of about 100 students, and we had uh, the young students in elementary all the way up through high school. And we would have meetings together and chapel services together and all of that. And, and I had to give a speech, and I was terrified to give a speech because speeches, you know, are just awful, and like public speaking is like the number one fear that culture may have, maybe. That's at least what I hear. And I remember getting up, and I'm giving my speech, and I can't even tell you what my speech was about. But I can tell you that people were laughing while I was speaking, and I thought, wow, I must be engaging, and I must have what it takes to give a speech. Little did I know, as, as uh, they start laughing, uh, one of my buddies takes me to the back, to, and takes me around out, and he leads me to the back kitchen, and he says, hey, I hate to tell you this, but the whole time you were giving your speech, your zipper was down. And, and I was mortified that my zipper was down. I can tell you this, that from that day forward, I had made a commitment 
internally that I would never, ever speak in public again. That was my commitment. Now, that may sound funny to you, and some of you maybe can relate, but there's a purpose for why I'm telling you this illustration. Second one is my grandfather. Somewhere in his life, and he was in World War II, my grandfather had encounters with the Jewish community. And he would never share with me what his issue was with Jews. But I can tell you this, that at some point in his life, he did something internally and received something internally that allowed him to hate the Jewish community. Not only that, not only was he racist towards the Jews, I couldn't understand for the life of me why he would be racist to the black community. And I would ask him, Grandpa, why is it that you don't like black people? And he couldn't tell me why. He just knew that he hated the black community. Something happened in his life, and literally he let something sink deep inside, and it impacted the way he saw the world and the way he engaged individuals. And I am convinced that he embraced something that was, at the core, demonic. It was nothing less than from Satan himself, and Satan knew that if he could continue to allow that stuff to percolate beneath the surface, that literally my grandfather would never cross the line of faith, and here is the sadness. He never did. Today, I ask you the question, if you've ever made what is called an inner vow, It's something happened to you in life, and you vowed to never let it happen again. It's a typical response to pain. Something or someone hurt us, and we want to make sure that we never have that experience again, or that type of pain. And so instead of forgiving somebody, instead of letting go, forgiving, and trusting the Lord to protect us, we what? We make an inner vow. Here's the idea. Here's the definition. An inner vow is a never again statement. It's something that you do internally in your life that you go, never again, never again am I going to speak in front of people. Never again am I going to like that race or am I going to like that person. Never again. Never again will someone say, do, or cause this pain that I've endured or that you've endured. Examples. Maybe, maybe you have been cheated on in dating or marriage. And I've heard conversations over the years, many conversations, in which somebody will say, I'm done with dating because I've been hurt so much. Or, or somebody will say, I do love my spouse, but never again will I trust my spouse. Here's another example. Maybe you had a domineering or overbearing parent. And because of that, what happens is that when you engage culture, you are going to say, because my parents were like that, I'm going to reject anybody that would be even close to that. And so I'm going to push them away. Maybe you were sexually abused. And because of that, you go, I refuse to be intimate with my spouse to the level that I should or could be the way God intended things to be. You go, never again 
because I was abused sexually. Maybe you were shamed. Maybe somebody made fun of you, or maybe you were bullied or picked on, and because you were bullied or picked on, you decided, you know what? I'm not going to be the bullied or picked on person anymore. Actually, I'm going to be the bully. And you make a never again, you make an internal vow in your life to, to do what? To say, no more. And maybe you were traumatized and vowed, I'll never forgive that person. I'll never let go of that. And it's that seed sinks deep into your soul. It's an inner vow. Maybe you were over-controlled. You were over-controlled by your spouse or, your, or a, a friend or a co-worker. And you're like, no, 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 no. Nope. If there's anybody that's going to be contro- controlling, I'm going to be the controlling one. Maybe you had over, overly strict parents. And because you had overly strict parents, you said, you know what? I am going to go the opposite direction. And I'm going to live life outside of boundaries that God has established for me. You say, no, no, they were overly strict, therefore I'm living loose. Here's the key. Making a vow with yourself is a counterfeit of making a covenant with God. Making a vow internally, though it's completely in our humanness to do that, it is nothing but a counterfeit of making a covenant with God. The Making a covenant with God is what he intended for us. He wants us to live in relationship with him and with others. But because we've made this inner vow and we've embraced the counterfeit, life cannot be and will not be lived to the fullest. It's basically you choosing to live by your rules regardless of what God says. Anybody do that? Anybody do that? Listen here. That you choose to live by your your rules versus what God has established and what God says. So here's things that I know in the area of inner vows that happens because we are human and we will take these moments and and have these moments. We often make vows when we feel pain, right? We do it. In fact, um, we make them quickly. It's like, that happened, so this is what I got to do. That hurt, so I'm going to reject that pain, and I'm no longer going to allow that. In fact, Proverbs 20.25 says, it's a snare to say something rashly and to reflect only after making vows. There's something to that. You probably have read Scripture, and you've you've heard about oaths and vows and all that, and you're going, what is that all about? That must have been a first-century church thing. No, it actually is something that's highly relational that God is saying, we've got to figure this out. So what do we do? We make vows quickly when we feel pain. We, We make inner vows at a young age. A lot of us, in fact, most of the counseling that comes through counseling centers and that, and people that I've met with over the years, do you know where so much of the pain comes from? It comes from childhood up through adolescence, and it carries on into our adulthood. And so we make vows, inner vows at a young age, and inner vows can be generational behaviors. Here's, here's what, what a, the generational behavior was in an inner vow that we had as a family, and, and it was spoken. Hirsch men don't cry. We don't cry. Suck it up. It's weak to show any type of emotion. And thank God that my dad, finally in giving his life to Jesus, that vow was broken. So, inner vows, generational behaviors. God can, you know, can take God's place of lordship um, 
these inner vows can take that place. So we want to have God is Lord over our life, but we go, okay, God, I'm going to set you aside over here because this vow that I've made is going to be the thing that rules me. So we self-protect instead of self-inspect and let the Holy Spirit lead us. Instead, we let the vow lead us. We become, we become loyal to these vows and we protect ourselves at all costs. Even if God says, you need to do what? Let go, forgive, release, embrace God, God's spirit and allow his love to immerse you. And we go, nope, my way is better. We often make vows without deep awareness, but we know when somebody violates it. And I'm telling you, you can have something internal in which all of a sudden, let's say it's like, I'm never going to allow someone to make fun of me. It's unspoken. It's in your soul. A vow. I'm not going to allow somebody makes fun of me. And one day you're sitting in a room, you're sitting in a, in a meeting place, you're in your house, your children, whatever. And all of a sudden somebody bursts out and says something that is truly funny but it triggers you. And all of a sudden, what happens is when you've made an inner vow, the emotion that should just be normal is escalated and it comes out in something that is totally irrational. Inner vows. We can, we, we can look at our vow as God's law. It's almost like this is, this is how it is. This, is. this is how I see it. Have you ever made this statement? This is how I see it. Well, here, here's the problem with how I see it. I am human, and I, I am flawed, and the reality is, is that it's not about how I see it. It's about how God sees it. And how do we see how God sees things? Through Scripture. We see things through, the, through God's lens by reading and engaging Scripture, and it helps us to understand that it is God's Word that we want to govern our life, not what I see. We want to punish people that break our inner vows. Could be your passive-aggressive nature that says, you know what? Honestly, if they did this and this, I'm going to slash their tires. I, I don't know. I don't know if you would do that or not, but, but I hope you wouldn't do that. The reality is, is that many of us, we want to in some way make sure that somebody feels some type of pain because they have no clue that it hurts you, and it hurts you because you are self trying to self-protect and made an inner vow. Inner vows, and this is key. I have found in my life that inner vows open the door to the enemy. Inner vows open the door to Satan's tactics to come in and cause all kinds of disturbances and, and all kinds of disruption in your family, in your marriage, in, 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 your, in the marketplace, in your schools, in colleges. Literally, the enemy uses inner vows. And why do inner vows open doors to the enemy because from the enemy it is always some form of fashion it's some some lie that satan puts out there in some form or fashion it's a lie in fact john 8:44 says this satan is a liar and not only is he a liar he is the father of lies he is the one who is the very essence of lies and we know from this, even this series, Reality, the Battle Between Good and Evil, that our enemy 
is a roaring lion, lion seeking to devour. Our battle's not against flesh and blood. There's stuff going on in spiritual and heavenly places and stuff is taking place. If you believe in Jesus, you know that there's a battle. You know that there's stuff going on around you and Satan is a liar and the father of lies. So what is he going to do? He's going to bring lies to you. The lie of an inner vow is that it will protect you. The lie of an inner vow is that it will protect you. But like all demonic lies, it delivers just the opposite of what it promises. So the Bible actually says, has some interesting things to say about these inner vows. In fact, look at Matthew chapter 5, verses 34 through 37. And let me, before I, I speak this, read this text to you, is here you have Jesus giving what is called the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. And as you read through the Sermon on the Mount, you will realize that as Jesus is speaking, he's always speaking relationally. He's always speaking about your relationship with God, you with God, God to you, and or with you with humanity. He's always looking at how are the decisions and choices in, in that that you're going to make going to impact the relationships around you and or your relationship with God, always. And so you see, just before I read this, these particular scriptures, you see where he's talking about, here's if you have anger in your life, here's how you deal with it. If you, if you uh, have committed adultery, here's how you deal with it. If, you, if you're facing divorce in some way, here's how you deal with it. And then we come to the vows, and then you get even to where if you're angry, here's what, here, it, it, just, it just all kind of unfolds there. And what our Heavenly Father is saying, and we'll say through this text in just a moment, is this. Your life is all about relationship with God and relationship with others. And if you wonder whether you're supposed to forgive and let go and, and release things at the core of what our Heavenly Father is saying, when you give your life to me, you will no longer carry these bitter, awful, tragic thoughts that you have towards the world. You will actually, and I'm going to say, you will actually drip of the love of God. You cannot stay in relationship with God and continue to harbor all kinds of bitterness, anger, resentment, and you cannot continue to embrace these inner vows. So here we go. Matthew 5, 34 through 37 is teaching about vows. You have also heard that our ancestors were told, you must not break your vows. You must carry out the vows you make to the Lord. But I say to you, and it's an exclamation, don't make any vows. Don't do it. But so-and-so hurt me. But so-and-so did. Don't make any vows. Jesus speaking. Do not say, by heaven, exclamation point. Why? Because heaven is God's throne. God's throne. He's in control. And do not say, by the earth. Why? Oh, you know, I, I knew God was in heaven, but the whole earth thing? I don't I mean, come on. No, and do not say, by the earth, because the earth is his footstool. In other words, you're not getting away from God. He is fully present always and sees and knows and if you think you can make a commitment internally that god doesn't see and make an internal commitment that is is pledged by something outside of god's you know control you are mistaken but yet what do we do we embrace the counterfeit 
self-protect, and we never allow ourselves to be vulnerable. And our Heavenly Father goes, no, no, no. Do not say by earth, and do not say, he says here, by Jerusalem, for Jerusalem is the city of the great king. Culturally, he's speaking to those that understand that. So don't, don't say, like, <laughs> and do not say, by Round Rock, Cedar Park, by Austin, I, I swear, and I make, a, I make an oath today, and I make a vow that, that based on Pflugerville, don't do that. No, he says, don't even say, by my head, for you can't turn one hair white or black. In other words, you can't control anything. It is God who says, I have things covered. It is in me that you trust. And then what happens is that when you do that, it will release, release things in your soul that will allow you to live in relationship with God and relationship with others. And he says, don't bow your head. Just, just say a simple, yes, I will, or no, I won't. Yes, I will. Or no, I won't. Anything beyond this is from who? Satan, says the evil one, the one who is the author of lies. Even James 5.12 says this, but most of all, my brothers and sisters, never take an oath by heaven or earth or anything else. Just say a simple yes or no so that you will not, what? Sin and be condemned. In other words, you can so choose to, to as, a, as, as somebody, as, as, when you're uh, wanting to pursue Jesus, you can so condemn yourself, the enemy comes to condemn, and when you're feeling that condemnation, it can even be an indicator that something has gone on inside in which you have chosen to what? To allow that vow, vow or vows to rule you. Inner vows... I have come to the conclusion and understand that inner vows build walls, destroy intimacy with God and others, and as I've experienced, have turned my heart stone cold at times. The pain of our past, if it's not rightly grieved, wrongs and the wrongs of our past, if not fully forgiven, leave an opportunity for the devil to convince us to make these vows. We've never dealt with, you've never dealt with the stuff that's going on. And for some of you right now, you're going, oh my goodness. That can take me back to five years old, three years old, eight, 15, maybe even in the last month, you made a vow and the enemy has got his claws in and our heavenly father's going, I'll start removing those claws if you'll let me. God is at work, and the devil wants to convince you to stay in bondage, and he wants you to think it's okay, and our Heavenly Father's going, it's not okay, and it's not your best life. Satan made the first inner vow. He did? Yeah, Satan made the first inner vow. Isaiah 1, or Isaiah 14, verses 13 and 14 says this, For Satan said to himself, I will ascend to heaven. 
I will set my throne above God's stars. I will preside on the mountain of the gods far away in the north. I will climb to the highest heavens and be like the most high. Here, Satan, it's like the entire war between God and Satan started when Satan made an inner vow that says, I'm not going to accept, God, what you have for me. I want to do this, and I'm not going to settle until I become like you and sit on your throne and am like you. And he never, from that moment, he never turned away. It's not like he goes, oh man, I realized I was wrong, and I'm going to get it right now. Satan never, ever escaped the vow that this is what I am, and this is what I'm going to do. And of course, we know that in this story, the story, the battle between good and evil, that Satan was cast down, brought the battle here to earth. And this battle, this battle's going on. And Satan made the inner vow that he would overtake God as ruler of all. And I don't know if you ever thought about this. God created Satan to live in covenant to God. And Satan counterfeited that covenant. Satan then invited, well, who, we've talked about this in, in this series, in the battle between good and evil, is Satan invited Adam and Eve to make an inner vow to do what? To become like God. This is the vow. I'm not okay with just what God has given me. I want to become like God. So Satan, to this day, committed to his inner vow to replace God as the highest authority in his life. And if you wonder why there's all of these things and these distractions, what Satan is wanting to do is distract you from making God the first and number one priority of your life. He's always saying, no, no, God shouldn't be there. I should be there. No, okay, if you're not going to put me there, then take these other counterfeits and put them there. And that's what is going to be your God. Whatever that God may look like, whatever that thing may be, that's going to be your God. See, Satan, Satan started that from the battle in heaven, from, from making the statement, the inner vow that says, I'm going to be like God. And, and so he's always on earth continually trying to get us to embrace something that's contrary to God's best for our life. Inner vows become strongholds, demonic strongholds in this battle between good and evil. Demonic strongholds. Question, has someone deeply hurt you and instead of forgiving that person and handing the hurt to the Lord to be healed, you too sin by making an inner vow by hardening your heart. Something happened and, and for some of us, it's subtle. It's little things and Satan loves to get in those little details and he loves to plant that seed. And what, what God is doing through his word is he's exposing things. And I'm praying that he's going to challenge you even today and in the weeks to come. Is there anything that I have not dealt with and I've hardened my heart? Has somebody deeply hurt you? And instead of forgiving and handing that hurt to the Lord to be healed, you're hardening your heart and holding on to it. And if you've done that, if you've done that and you've hardened your heart and rejected God, you have given the enemy access to your thinking, your feelings, and decision-making. So what I 
ask you to do right now as you process this today. Take a moment and think about your inner vows. Maybe, just maybe, what has happened here is they're so familiar to you that you don't even realize that you have made inner vows from the time you were little to your dating relationships to the crises that have occurred in your life to your marriage to your to your to your family members to coworkers you've 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 had moments occur and and maybe even unconsciously you had no idea that you were building walls that said never again and our heavenly father is going no if you God is saying to us today ask the holy spirit to illuminate the inner vows that you might have made internally seek seek godly people that you can say i'm wrestling with this i have said this or i don't understand i don't know how to get through this Seek godly people in your life that can help bring awareness about those vows that we've made that Scripture says you're not to make them. You're not to have those things. They're not to rule you. It's a counterfeit, and it gives an open door to the enemy, which we, none of us, if we're really honest, none of us want to go, gosh, I opened the door to Satan. Gosh, I opened the window for Satan. None of us want to do that. We don't. And then, if we seek God and we ask for his spirit to help us and we're, we're seeking that counsel, God is for sure going to begin to reveal and show and expose so that finally we can give it to him and have it removed. If you're like, well, I don't trust anybody, that could have been an inner vow. I'm never going to trust anybody again. So then if that's the case, go to a professional Christian counselor. And you sit down and you go, here's what I'm wrestling with. And allow the process to work itself out so that ultimately you can take what's gone, what's been so down there, and take it and release it. And the Spirit of God, I'm telling you, you, you will be free. It will be like something that you, maybe you've never encountered before. And some of you listening right now, Literally, you are so bound that you cannot even discern when God is speaking and working and doing something in your life because you're bound by what's taking place inside. So breaking the inner vow invites the Holy Spirit to rule over you, lead you, and guide you. So the question is, are you willing to let today the Holy Spirit lead you, guide you, rule over you. Are you willing to do this? Here's, here's a final scripture I'm going to read, and then I'm going to pray this over you. Here it is. Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 26 through 29. This is for you. And I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will do what? Put my spirit in you. You will be my people and I will be your God and I will deliver you. 
And I pray today that that is exactly what God will do in your life. Wherever you are, however you're listening, God can do that. It's huge for our lives. Now, it wasn't until college that I had to give a speech, my elementary speech, that was it. And I worked every corner to say I'm not going to do any public speaking. And when I got up in my sophomore year of college, and I was taking homiletics and learning how to break down scripture and hermeneutics and all of that and study of scripture, I had to give a speech, and I was terrified. I told the professor I'd prefer not to do it. And he said, well, if you're going to pass, you're going to do it. And I, I was nervous as all nervous. I got up, and I'll never forget the, the cheer that the, the, the classroom of about 15 to 20 students gave. And I'll never forget the professor saying, I think God may have a call on your life. And I thought, not to speak, it can't be. Why? Because I had made a vow that I was never going to allow anybody out here to allow myself to be vulnerable and be exposed because it would hurt too much. But finally, through some friends, through some study, through some prayer, the anointing of God, I was released from that. And that's why I'm even able to stay and stand and to preach to you. But imagine if, if I had never gotten past that and never took that and brought that to God, never allowed that to be worked out through me, then what would happen is that God would never have what been able to use me in the way and the capacity that he does. And I'm wondering what you're missing because you have chosen to allow that counterfeit to stay in your soul and never get through to the Spirit's leading and prompting. So, what will you do today in this battle of these inner vows? What will you do with it? Well, I can tell you what God wants to do. He wants to transform you and bring it out. Let it go and renew you. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Heavenly Father, those that are listening right now, I pray that they will not turn their minds off and go, yeah, 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 I know, I know, and then I'm not going to do I pray, God, today that you will give them a new heart, that you will put a new spirit in them, a new anointing over those listening. Take out the stony stuff, God, the stubborn heart, and give a tender, responsive heart, O oh God. And God, put your spirit on and in those listening. And God, may they grow to understand that they are your people and you'll be their God and you will take care of them and deliver them from whatever attacks, whatever things may come their way. And they, God, will experience true life in you. Thank you, Jesus. To you be the glory now and forevermore. In your awesome and mighty name we pray. Amen. If that's you today, I pray that... Um, you'll take some time to work through uh, what I've been talking about. I've given some questions for reflection and 
Bible app so that you can go and actually look and, and, and wrestle those things down. And, and if you need to personally connect with me or one of our leaders, feel free to do that. In fact, you can just info at newhope365.us and we'd love to follow up with you and connect with you. If you're, if you're online today, however you're listening, and you would like to give your life to Jesus. All of this points to a relationship with, through Jesus Christ by his spirit over your life. And I'm praying that you will experience. You go, well, I've been hurt by a church. I've been hurt. That, well, God is going to take out that stony stuff. And he's going to say it's not about all of those things that happened. They may have been real. And they, they could be very impacting, but I'm going to transform. And if you today desire, would like to cross the line of faith and give your life to Jesus, you can, at Church Online, you can just go up and click on Next Steps and begin the journey forward. And if, and if you're listening on a different platform, just info at newhope365.us. So with that said, God bless you. Thank you for listening to today's message. We'd like to remind you to visit our website, newhope365.church. That's newhope, the numbers 365.church for all the information about our new in-person services and to keep up with all the latest news about what's happening here at New Hope 365.